0: A very good morning to all of you from me as well, Um, morning to those of you online. When Haley saw me, she said, oh, I know you're preaching today because I'm wearing makeup, don't normally wear makeup, but it's a real privilege to be able to speak to you this morning about something I'm really passionate about. Firstly, one of um, my favorite movies is the story about an Italian teenager who moves to Southern California with his single mom. But um, he struggles to fit in with these surfer, blonde surfer young people and very soon becomes bullied by um, a bunch of guys from the local karate dojo. Um, In one of these bullying encounters, five of them are up against him, and he is being savagely beaten up. Um, Mr. Miyagi, an unassuming old um, repairman um, from his building, comes and single-handedly defeats these five young, strong guys um, and, and rescues Daniel. And then very soon after that, he goes with Daniel to the local dojo to ask the these boys to back off. And he, he faces up with a master who is an ex-special forces guy, very merciless. You see um, him being very merciless with he, the, the guys he's training. And um, he he says to him, please, will they back off? And he says, No, they won't back off. You know, they can fight. He says, No, but this is unfair because uh, you know it's not one-on-one, it's one-on-five. So he says, well, get on the mat right now. He can sort it out one-on-one. And so Mr. Miyagi makes a counter challenge, and he says, no, um, he'll face them one-on-one in a, a couple of months' time at the karate ta- championships. Um, Daniel's eyes get big because he can't. We've seen in all the other bullying encounters, he cannot do any form of karate. Um, and so the, the, the special forces karate master agrees to this, agrees to the fact that the bullies will back off until the championship, but then says if Daniel loses at the championship, then the bullying will continue and also they will target Mr. Mayagi as well. And so then Daniel's intense training in karate begins. But he soon becomes hugely frustrated because... Uh, Mr. Miyagi makes him wash cars and polish cars, makes him paint a fence. If you haven't seen that iconic scene of the fence being painted, you need to watch the movie. Paints a house and he really gets involved in all of these things and gets so frustrated because he's not learning karate. But Mr. Miyagi shows him that all of these daily routines, he is practicing defensive karate moves. And then we see him get to the championship, and I'm not going to tell you more about what happens when he faces his nemesis. You'll have to keep listening. I love that movie because it so beautifully pictures for us the illustration of a student and a teacher. We see how Mr. Mayagi teaches Daniel everything through daily uh, chores, uh, as he spends time with him, learns from him. You see, and I'm not going to uh, pull this move in my high heel shoes, but you see that um, ultimately in the championship, he copies Mr. Miyagi's move. Um, and, and he's really great at it because. And then you see, sorry, also the, the karate guys in the dojo, they um, are copying the way of the fist that their master is teaching. They are copying him and they are becoming like him violent ruthless, merciless teenagers. Because the aim of learning under a master is to become like your master. And you and I, we are like these teenagers as well. We are becoming like those that we follow, for good or for harm. You know that of the 7.75 billion people in the world, 2.56 2.56 of them say that they're Christian. That's a third. And these, these third of the world, if they are following the master Jesus, are they reflecting him in the world? A more concerning figure for me is the figure in South Africa. In 2015, a home survey showed that 86% of South Africans are affiliated with Christianity. if I asked 86 100 people to stand up and I said would 14 sit down 86 of those 100 say that they're followers of Jesus Christ they claim to be aligned to Jesus the Jesus whose word says whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did Jesus who came to bring abundant life to heal the sick to set captives free, to set the oppressed free, to let his good news be shared with the poor, his light in a dark world, that Jesus, then why is South Africa so broken with poverty, corruption, racism, inequality, if 86% say that they're aligned to Jesus? I'd like to suggest that it's because many hobby Christians many are kind of vaguely aligned to Christian values and ideologies or they kind of you know tick on a form I'm Christian versus I'm not Muslim or Hindu Um, or perhaps they're consumer Christians where following Jesus is actually not the call it's more Jesus follow me and bless my plans Help me pass this exam. Please help me find a job or a boyfriend or, or a parking space. Sadly, there's a decline in practicing Christians. Uh, I don't have the South African statistic, but Barna group in, in, in 2020, they said one in four Americans. That's 25% say that they are practicing Christians which is sadly down from 2,000 where it was 45%. 25% say that they're practicing Christians. That's so sad. Dallas Willard says consumer Christianity is now normative. The consumer Christian is one who utilizes the grace of God for forgiveness and the services of the church for special occasions but does not give his or her life and innermost thoughts, feelings, and intentions over to the kingdom of the heavens. Such Christians are not inwardly transformed and committed to it. He also wisely points out that the greatest issue facing the world today, with all of its heartbreaking needs... When, when we think of the brokenness of our world, the poverty, the environmental issues, the economic challenges, the conflicts, the inequality, he says the greatest issue facing the world today with all of its heartbreaking needs is whether those who by profession or culture are identified as Christians will become disciples, students, apprentices, practitioners of Jesus Christ Steadily learning from him how to live the life of the kingdom of the heavens into every corner of human existence. If you look at Daniel, he apprenticed under Mr. Mayagi. His world was broken because he had bullies, but he apprenticed under a karate master. Jesus is calling you and I to apprentice under him. He is calling you and I because he came to introduce his kingdom to this broken world. And he wants it to continue to spread through his followers. You and I. Not people who are hobby Christians or vaguely aligned to Christian principles, praying when it suits them. But followers, apprentices, people who radically love Jesus and practice his ways in everyday life. Because it's these kind of people who, like the early disciples, will transform individuals, the church, the community, and the world. And that's what he's called Homeground Church to. That kind of transformation. But if you and I are going to be these types of people, I think it's important for us to remind ourselves of the history of disciples. And over the next three weeks, our content is largely from John Marcoma's podcast, Practicing the Way. Uh, ever since I've come across it, I'm more passionate about my calling. It's forming my conversations, my prayer time. And so I strongly encourage you, in, in three weeks, there's no ways we can cover all the content. Strongly encourage you to get onto that podcast. Um, start from the beginning because there's so much powerful content there. It's life-changing. So I want to get back to that word Christian. If you look in the Bible, Christian is only used three times. Two of those times it's used in a a mocking way as outsiders look in on, on believers. Believers themselves all the time refer to themselves as disciples. Disciples of followers of a rabbi. A disciple was a very common thing in ancient times. Socrates and Plato had disciples. John the Baptist had disciples. The Bible speaks of the disciples of Moses. And um, Paul the Apostle was a disciple of one of the Pharisees before he was converted. And so a disciple is one who disciplined himself in the teachings and practices of another. A disciple isn't like our modern-day student, you know, who kind of pops into a lecture, sits distant, far away from their lecturer, doesn't really know them and their lives. um, is just getting information, goes, reads textbooks for information. No, 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 a disciple is very different. They were required to be with their rabbi, to interact with their rabbi, and to imitate their rabbi. I'd say a disciple is more like a modern-day apprentice. Uh, Bradley, one of our interns, he's kind of got the ponytail and normally greets people. He uh, apprenticed under a plumber for two years. And a month ago, went to somebody's home and, and put in a geezer and rerouted a whole bunch of pipes. Because he was an apprentice, he can actually plumb his own house one day because the whole purpose of an apprenticeship is to become like the person who taught you. And so a disciple did three things. They were to be with the rabbi, they were to become like the rabbi, and then they were to do what the rabbi did. And perhaps this is the reason why many Christians today aren't having the impact that the first disciples had on the world. Maybe it is because we're hobby Christians. We're practicing this on the sidelines of our lives. You know, maybe come to church once a week or once a month or twice a year. If we do not make formation and Christ the priority, says Dallas Willard, then we're just going to keep on producing Christians that are indistinguishable in their character from many non-Christians. I don't know about you, but many times I've heard people say Christians are indistinguishable from non-Christians in their sexuality, in their partying, in their businesses, in how racist they are, and the list can go on and on. That is such a sad state of affairs. If we are to be transformed into the very image of our rabbi, then we're like those early disciples need to take up Jesus' invitation. Come and follow me, he says. And just like those disciples, you and I need to be with Jesus. We need to become like Jesus, and we need to do what Jesus did. For us, that will then mean that our schedule will be determined um, By more than family and work, Jesus will be part of our schedule and determining where we spend our time. For us, it will mean becoming like Jesus from the heart outward into our actions, not just behavior modification, trying to be like Jesus. No, because we're being like with Him, we will become like Him. He will flow out of us in our behavior change and how we speak to our spouses, and how we parent teenagers, it will have an impact on us. And then we will do what Jesus did. We will be helping other people to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did. And so today and over the next two weeks, we're going to look very closely at these three principles. Today is an introduction. Next week, we'll look at one and two, um, and I'll preach again. And then the last week, Debbie will be speaking on doing what Jesus did. You know, the reason we want to focus on these things is because it's so important to realize that following Jesus isn't just about the one-off, I'm going to pray the sinner's prayer I'm going my sins are going to be forgiven. That's important and it's vital, but it's more than that. That's just the beginning. The start of a loving relationship of following Jesus, where out of love we align our lives to a new king, to his kingdom way of doing things, and we allow Jesus to call the shots in our lives. And so when we begin a relationship with Jesus, we follow him. And firstly, we're with him. This is the most important practice because I believe that without it well and solidly in place, the other two won't happen. Mark says to us that Jesus chose the 12 that they might be with him. You know, Jesus didn't require that they came into a classroom for one hour and then rotated to different teachers. No, the disciples walked next to him. They talked with him. They ate with him. They slept where he slept. They did ministry with him. They spent every moment of the day with Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I get really jealous of that. Um, How do we in the 21st century be with Jesus when he's not physically able to be seen? Well, John Marcoma says that being with Jesus is learning to live in a constant state of awareness of and connection to the Spirit of Jesus. I love that. I'm going to say it again. Learning to live in a constant state of awareness of and connection to the Spirit of Jesus. In John 15, Jesus gives us a lovely picture of what constant connection looks like. He speaks of the vine and the branches being connected. And he encourages us to remain in him. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Just like a plug not remaining in the power source cannot be a conduit of power. So we cannot become like Jesus. We cannot bear the fruit of the kingdom way if we are not connected constantly to Jesus. Just like a branch dislocated from the vine or disconnected from the vine will eventually die, so we will be fruitless. And so we need to constantly remain conscious of Jesus, connected to him through the Spirit throughout the day. It's this constant relationship with Jesus. Dallas Willard just suggests how we can do that. He says the first and most basic thing we can and must do is to keep God before our minds. The deepest revelation of our character is what we choose to dwell on in thought. What constantly occupies our mind as well as what we can or cannot even think of. This is the fundamental secret of caring for our souls. Our part in this, practicing the presence of God is to direct and redirect our minds constantly to Him. This is so powerful, yet so simple. Your and my spiritual formation is dependent on our, what we focus our thoughts on. You know, sometimes after supper, I'll, I'll sit there and I'll start thinking about that second stomach of mine that desires sweet things. And I'm like, oh, I want something sweet. Oh, I want something sweet. Oh, that chocolate. Oh, eventually it's like, Richard, please go to the shop. I need some chocolate. It's not I want. It's I need. Because I've been thinking about it and thinking about it. We are what we think. We love what we focus our thoughts on and we act based on our thoughts. And so we're encouraged here to be good caretakers of our souls by capturing our thoughts and focusing them on God, by communicating with Him, by being aware of His presence and His voice. Uh, Richard and I dated long distance for two years, but we stayed relationally connected. You know, I'd sit there and I'd start thinking about that hunk with blue eyes in Durban um, I'd also, you know, we would, we would phone and we would write letters. This is really dating us before cell phones and emails. But we stayed connected relationally. It's possible. But this illustration falls short in the fact that Rich and I were distant from each other. We are so privileged. Those of us who follow Jesus have God's spirit living inside of us all we need to do is turn our thoughts to him, turn our words to him, be in his presence, communicate with him, be aware of his presence all around us. And as we remain constantly connected to Jesus, as we are practicing his presence constantly, we will secondly, we will become like him. Dallas Willard, if you don't know, is an author who's written so much about spiritual formation. And he defines spiritual formation in the Christian tradition as a process of increasingly being possessed and permeated by the character traits of Jesus as we walk in the life-giving ways of Jesus, our teacher. You know, in the Karate Kid movie, we see that all of these teens are being formed by someone, by the person they spend a lot of time with. Those from the Special Forces Dojo have become like him, merciless, aggressive, violent. And Mr. Miyagi's student, because of being with him and spending time with him, starts being more compassionate in his practice of karate. He's more resilient. He's more kind. And you and I, like these teens, are being formed and shaped by people and things around us. John Marcoma says so wisely, the question isn't, are you being formed? The question is, what is forming you? What or who is forming you? Because our very na- the very nature of humanity is that we will be formed and shaped by outside influences. You know, if you think of the content that we're following online, how is it forming and shaping us? Um, an example, a small example is I may be quite content with what I possess and what I own. And then I start scrolling on my phone and I go, ooh, that's a beautiful dress, mm. Then I scroll and I go, oh, I need an air fryer. And then oh, I need a new car and I need that home improvement. And eventually I'm discontent because what I am following is shaping and forming me. The sexuality of people who are watching porn is sadly being shaped and formed by those images. And so we're all constantly being shaped. And if we claim to be followers of Jesus, we need him to be the one who's shaping and forming us. We need to be becoming more and more like him. We need to be modeling the principles in his great sermon, Matthew 5 to 7, where I was so challenged this morning by the fact that he shows a countercultural behavior love, love your enemies. Forgive those who have wronged you. Overcome worry in me. That's so countercultural. Is it shaping how we live in our marriages, as we parent, in our businesses? What we watch or share online, is our relationship with Jesus shaping us? You know, as disciples of this rabbi, We need to talk like him, walk like him, model all of his mannerisms, because if we claim to be followers of Jesus, we must live as Jesus did. And if we're going to do this, we need to be with him. We need to be creating space so that we can be empowered by him, so that his thoughts flow through us, his actions, his words, his ways, rather than the beliefs and the actions and the thoughts Um, and the modeling of unhealthy family members or friends or online content. So I want to encourage you to be actively cutting out things that are shaping and forming you into something you don't want to be down the line. So we are to be with Jesus. We are to become like Jesus. And then we're to do what Jesus did. Mark tells us that the reason Jesus invited the 12 to be with him was so that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons, just like Jesus did. We also see Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That, that phrase, fishers of men, we lose the impact in English. I think we think it's just like a silly phrase that says, you know, follow me, then you won't fish for fish, you'll fish for people. But actually, that phrase, fishers of men, means follow me and I will make you a great teacher. A fisher of men was a great teacher. It's a Hebrew idiom. And Jesus was saying, because this is the heart and soul of apprenticeship, it's not only to become like your teacher, but it is to do what your teacher does. You know, a, a legal apprentice is going to practice law. A surgeon is going to practice surgery, like a plumber is going to practice plumbing. And that is the aim of us following Jesus, It's to transform us to become like our teacher. We, as genuine followers of Jesus... We're going to do what he did. We're going to pray for the sick, pray for the blind. We're going to feed the hungry. We're going to clothe the naked. We're going to free the oppressed. We're going to practice justice. We're going to be passionate about sharing his good news. Shine his light into dark, dark places. And come in two weeks' time and hear more as Debbie unpacks this. But I got goose flesh the other day at a pre meeting I was part of in the chapel. Um, somebody, I think it was Leonard, prayed this picture of as you step away from, from the earth into space, and on a dark night, the lights start coming on. And he was praying that we as Christians in the world would start being the light of Jesus. And in this dark place, the light would shine. Just think of the one third of the world who claim to follow Jesus. If they were doing what Jesus did, how much light would be shining? Just think of the 86% of Christians in South Africa. What a difference if they were doing what Jesus did in South Africa! How much the light would be shining. And I've no intention today to make anybody feel guilty or, or pressured, my, my deep desire is to encourage every single one of us to step into this incredible space of being radical followers of Jesus Christ. And it starts with us as individuals saying, I'm gonna be intentional about partnering with Jesus to practice these three things. You know, when, when you look at Daniel in The Karate Kid, initially karate was a little hobby. He went to two lessons, he was reading books about karate, but he was being demolished by his bullies. Because he actually, karate was a hobby, but when he began to practice karate in his everyday life and follow a karate master, he had victory in that karate tam- championship You have to watch the movie. Jesus wants you and I to have victory as followers of him. Over those things in our lives that are holding us back, he wants us to have victory so that other people can also follow him. And he shows that there is huge wisdom in practicing what he says. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Don't practice the way. As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on the rock. When a flood came, not if, when a flood came, the torrent struck and that house, that struck that house, but could not shake it because it was well built. We will be wise people if we practice the way. When difficult times come, we, our lives will stand firm in who He is and in what He says. You know that in Jesus' day, discipleship was only for the elite. You see that um, up until the age of 12, only young boys, no girls, could be part of being a disciple. Um, They had to know all five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Not just those five words, all the words in all five books. Then once they were 12, only a few would graduate and they would then study the rest of the Old Testament. Every single word by heart. Then they would go into a rigorous interview process with a rabbi. He would ask them about the Old Testament. He'd ask them about what he stood for as a rabbi, and the testing would be difficult. If he passed that, the rabbi then would invite him to follow him. But not so with Jesus. Jesus says, whoever, let me say that again, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. They can no longer call the shots. They must deny themselves. They must take up their cross and follow me. Follow me. Be with me. Become like me. and Do what I did. I want to encourage you today, if you've never, ever decided to follow Jesus, Jesus invites you to follow him. He invites you to experience his love, unconditional, his peace, his hope. A life more abundant than you could ever imagine. Whoever wants to. So you can begin a relationship with Jesus, and we'd love to pray with you after the service if that's you. But perhaps you are a hobby Christian, or perhaps you vaguely align to Christian values or belief. Or, or you've become a consumer Christian where it's more about Jesus following you than you following Jesus. I want to invite you to commit to following Jesus. And then those of you who are following Jesus, if we do what Jesus did... We're going to multiply this. We're going to encourage other people to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did. So I invite you to commit to multiply this in the lives of other people. But for every single one of us, it starts with being with Jesus. So can I invite all of us to commit to 10 minutes a day of being with Jesus. Whatever that looks like for you, um, maybe it's taking your Bible, reading a psalm, perhaps it's journaling, perhaps it's praying out loud or quietly, perhaps it's just sitting and being aware of God's presence, climbing into his lap, focusing on His him or saying his name, Jesus, 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 whatever it is, 10 minutes a day. Because as we be with him, we will become like him and we'll do what he did. I'd love to pray with anyone who um, would like prayer today. There will be a few of us here. Let me pray with you now. Jesus, we are so, so grateful that you came to this earth. That was dark, broken, hopeless. And you made a way that we could be saved. That we could be right with God, have peace with God, have a relationship with the maker of the universe. Thank you, thank you for that huge gift. Jesus, by your spirit, will you... Empower us and help us to remain connected to you and be with you and practice your presence daily. And help us through that to become like you so that people will look and see the light of Jesus shining out of us. And Father, I also just pray that we will have your power and your strength to do what you did here on earth because we so long for the light of Jesus to shine brightly in this broken world. We thank you that in you there is hope, there is joy, there is peace. And I just pray that if anyone hasn't chosen to follow you, that they'd hear you saying, whoever wants to, come, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. Amen. My encouragement to you today is to be followers, practicing his way as you go out into the week. Have a great week. Please stay for coffee. Please speak to other followers of the way who can encourage you and come forward for prayer if you'd like to be prayed for. Have a great week. Cheers.